battle was over before the game was done back If you think that I'm gonna let you run My body, my heart, and my mind Then you better listen to me Oh, you think you're invaluable Yeah, act like an eagle Think you're gonna soar like a bird Beyond the possible I think it's plain to see You know you're meant to be Honest one or two world stuff too Gotta think and stop Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters around the world, it is I, Chris Shule, your chocolate Nubian soul brother, your esoteric noetic, your disseminator of crypto savagery, and uh, I got these podcasts coming in quite frequently at the moment, uh, mainly because I've been trying to put out more content, I want to start posting stuff uh, on Steemit, great way of earning income, and it's something I enjoy doing, I have a big mouth, I love talking about philosophy, technology, crypto savagery, anything to do with freedom, and trying to uplift the vibration of the planet. So ladies and gentlemen, indulge me as I discuss some of the latest in the world of crypto savagery and all the cool things I like to talk about in my podcast. But first and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, if you are not aware, I, yours truly, have released my single, We Can Do Better. We Can Do Better. It is this uh, single that I entered into the Art of Sedition competition. I wrote it for the Art of Sedition competition a few months back, One Runner's Up. Very proud to announce that. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to support me or you you just like the song, be sure to check it out. In fact, I made a little lyric video for it. Let me see if I can get a little demo of this thing going on right now. So, uh, this is the video. Let's get this thing rolling. It is it is the first uh, single that I have officially released on Steemit. I mean, I've released it on other social media platforms, all digital outlets. It's all over the interwebs, yo. But uh, this is, I feel like this is my first real official release on Steemit for one of my one of my songs. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to give you guys a demo over here. So I wrote this song about peace, love, and liberty. Woke up to the news this morning, heard the sound of a nation warring, going on. What's going on? I looked at the soldiers marching day and night So the few were swarming in their eyes Within their eyes I looked at the comrades planning hits Dreamers to all they're playing all along Just like so I want you to welcome that to go and back You lost this man like no belong Like no belong But I know that we can do better I believe that we can do better Cause I know that we can do better First and foremost, my brother from another mother, Russ Ulbrich, has been working hard to uh, to get his freedom. Russ Ulbrich was the guy that got this whole thing popping along, yo, through the, the creation of Silk Road, amazing uh, darknet website that allowed people to trade freely. And uh, according to the latest article, now, Lynn Ulbrich, I interviewed her on the podcast not that long ago, and she started a massive campaign to uh, to get a bunch of signatures. We're aiming at, I'd say, half a million signatures. I think it's definitely doable. You find most people that are involved in cryptocurrencies tend to have a slant towards liberty. Therefore, it would 
makes sense that they would want to see someone like Russ free. So at the moment, we've already raised 55,000 signatures uh, for petition asking for clemency of Albrecht. I truly do believe um, he will he will be freed. I don't know when, but I believe I believe it will happen. I don't often make predictions, but I feel in my heart of hearts that uh, we will eventually free Russ Albrecht. I'll be so disappointed. Not that I have any um, uh, any any trust in the current president of the United States, Donald Trump. Um, I mean, look, <laughs> I don't really follow what Trump is is up to. Um, I, I think he's entertaining. I like the fact that he seems to have balls. But if he really is this uh, this person that's going to that's make a, a change of freedom, like a lot of the conservatives are saying, then I think he should start with with something as profound as freeing Ross Ulbricht, because I think that's one of the greatest injustices. Someone being jailed because he's created someone that facilitates people being able to put substances in their body. I think that's the most one of the most important issues in regards to freedom. The sovereignty of your own body. If you can't decide what you can put in your own body, then you don't have any freedom whatsoever. So, uh, Donald Trump, please, please, free Russ Ulbricht. And uh, Alex Jones... Alex Jones, please, uh, if you have any any favor with uh, Donald Trump, I know that you were one of the key figures in helping uh, get Donald Trump elected. Please get Russ Albrecht out of jail. Do what you can. I, I think it's a travesty when anyone is put in jail for victimless crimes, but it's even a, a worse tra travesty when someone as innocent, in my opinion, as Russ is put in jail. The guy is is a is a sweet man. Uh, seems to have a very pacifist mentality and actually created Silk Road because he wanted to. He wanted to allow people to trade in a non-violent way, realize the amount of harm that comes about with people trading drugs, and was simply trying to create a, an avenue for people to do that with, with less violence. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on. Let's move on. Now, I wanted to talk about my favorite libertarian, or one of my favorite libertarians, John McAfee. Now, John McAfee recently posted a response to all the dumb questions that he, he gets from people. Trolls, most likely. People saying that he's a murderer, people saying that he's... You name it, he's been accused of it. And, uh... Yeah, he, he responded with this, uh... With this tweet. Posted a, an image that basically answers all of the, the questions that many of his um, his trolls and fans ask in regards to all the things that he's been allegedly, well, that he's been accused of. Anyway, the tweet was, Haters periodically make documentaries about my offenses against society, allegations of drug use, irresponsible firing of weapons, sexual deviations, etc. I like to put these documentaries to bed by confessing to these allegations up front. Saves time. Hear my confessions. And he goes on and on and on, lists what he does, what he has done, what he has not done. But you know what? I actually wanted to devote this podcast to my favorite libertarians. And I want to start off with John McAfee. Now, one of the things I love about John McAfee is the guy is super, super intelligent and doesn't try to conform with what everyone else is thinking, whatever, what everyone else is doing. He has a, a mind of a genius. And when I use the word genius, I'm talking about someone that looks outside of the box. The word genius dropping some knowledge over here, is actually derived from the word genii. 
that this is the etymology of the word. This is the idea of uh, in ancient times, in ancient Rome, a genius was someone that had a muse, had something working through them, some kind of a metaphysical deity that was able to bestow ideas upon them. So it was a it was a word that was given to artists mainly because they had this divine ability to tap into different thoughts, different creations that weren't common within the uh, the general population. And when people think outside of the box, when people come up with these new ideas and, and think um, in non-linear progressions, and when I, when I say that, I mean they have this um, lateral mindset. That is true genius. That's the creative brilliance that is uh, is manifest with all of, within all of God's creations. Not wanting to go too spiritual on you guys, but that's what I see in great thinkers. And John McAfee is a very original person. The way that he thinks, the way that he... Uh, he, uh, well, he's constructed his life. I mean, he was responsible for, I think, the first antivirus, McAfee, uh, revolutionized the entire world. And he continues to do this time and time again. He's come up with a new a new wallet that is apparently unhackable. I think it's, what's it called? The the bit, the bit FF, I, you know what, let me, I can't remember. Anyway, it's not too important right now. But the bottom line is, McAfee is always innovating new technologies, and the way that he thinks is indicative of someone that I think is a genius, outside of the box. Obviously, straight out very intelligent, but also very, very creative. And another thing I've noticed, not just about him, but about a lot of other great libertarians, and in case you're not aware, John McAfee is a libertarian, um, might explain why a lot of people are not in line with the way in which he sees the world, because he believes in liberty, he believes in freedom, believes that pe- the government doesn't have a right to control what he does, and unfortunately, a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people don't like people that uh, won't submit to the uh, the the powers to be, and he's gone into a lot of trouble with um, apparently taking certain substances and all this kind of stuff. But I wanted to sp- speak specifically about the way that McAfee thinks. One of the things that I've noticed is that with a lot of libertarians, present-day libertarians, they tend to be technologically savvy. They tend to be programmers. And one of the things I've noticed is, as a programmer myself, I mean, my, my course was in software engineering. I've, I've been programming since I was 11 years old. And the way in which you construct programs, the, when you are following code, high-level programming language, the way that you, you define your variables, you set up classes, the way in which you, you structure your, your code, it tends to follow logically. You tend to adapt this way of thinking that is within a a very linear progression. And I find that libertarians, some of the best libertarians, because they think logically, they tend to be able to structure their libertarian arguments in a very logical sense. This is why I find some of the best libertarians, you have a look at, obviously, John McAfee, and he he has this brilliant mind where he thinks logically and consistently. And another one that comes to mind, Stefan Molyneux. I recently found out that this guy was a uh, a, a programmer back in his day, an IT guy, developed a a very successful business that created very sophisticated software. And you find that the way in which he structures his arguments, now I don't agree with everything, but it is very logical. I think you develop a way of thinking when you, when you are programming. At least you understand logic, input, output, and reasoning. In fact, what comes to mind is something known as the trivium, quadrivium and the trivium. In ancient times, um, people would learn how to think. The best philosophers would go about a way of 
thinking. They would learn how to actually construct arguments. In fact, they would start by learning something known as the quadrivium. Damn, I'm dropping some powerful knowledge in my podcast. So the quadrivium was was to prepare people for the trivium. The quadrivium dealt with music, astrology. Um, it was more the creative side of things. And by learning this thing first, it would open people's minds to the trivium, which is about which which is what I would call essentially the same programming skills or the the approach that good libertarians are able to apply when they're constructing libertarian arguments. The trivium is essentially about input, grammar, and rhetoric. So being able to take in input, this is also a programming concept. You take in information from your external environment, and then you uh, you have to use a... Look, the, the, the system that you apply in the, the trivium is essentially input, output, and, uh, and reason. Logic. And this is the same process that you use when you are programming. So, one of the things that I've noticed, now I'm going on a little rant over here, is that I find a lot of good libertarians tend to understand the process of thinking, of constructing logical arguments. Philosophy. These are all entwined, whether it's philosophy, whether it's programming. And when I, when I hear the arguments of, of people that are not familiar with this way of thinking, they often create bad arguments. But one of the reasons I like John McAfee is... His arguments, more often than not, are sound. They're logical. They're consistent. It's like, it's like I'm reading code. And this is how I apply um, my understanding of libertarian ethics. I mean, I'm always thinking about most libertarian ideas within the realm of code. To me, um, granted, there are, there are other areas that I tend to be more intuitive and more emotional, um, right brain in regards to But when it comes to libertarian libertarianism... I'm always thinking within the realms of reason and logic, of input, output, and, uh, and reasoning. The trivium. So that's one of the reasons I like McAfee. One, he's a badass. He's a, he's a brilliant thinker. Doesn't seem to care that much what people think about him. And uh, yeah, he's living outside of what people consider is acceptable. I mean, this guy, this guy takes drugs. This guy's a bowler. He's dating... Um, <laughs> I like the fact that he's dating this black woman. Um, I feel like that's kind of outside of maybe what what might be expected for someone like him. He's dating a black prostitute. Well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. She used to be a, a prostitute. Not that there's anything wrong with that in any way, shape, or form, but it's not something that I feel society would uh, would be expecting of someone like McAfee. But he doesn't care. He's found this beautiful woman that he's in love with, and uh, I dig that. I dig the fact that he's... Uh, He's going after these 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 chocolate women. I love seeing uh, I love seeing uh, guys go after my chocolate women. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he has a very um, open attitude. I think he, he was also dating uh, this this underage girl, this this seventeen year old when he was in this country a while back. I like that once again. People say McAfee's dating an underage girl. Fuck you, McAfee can date who the hell he wants to. Nothing wrong with that. And I like the fact that he says, you know what, yeah, I'm 70 years old or whatever, but you know what, I don't care, I'm going to date who the hell I want to. I like that. Outside of mainstream society. So kudos to McAfee. Uh, another libertarian I want to speak about, my probably, probably my favorite libertarian, would be Adam Kokesh, the cock. Now, another reason I love... Okay, I love... Adam Kakesh, mainly because he's a libertarian, the way that he thinks is very similar to mine, the way that I think, the way that he constructs most of his arguments, um, once again, very logical, stays away from uh, 
airy-fairy nonsense. I find that he tends to be a rationalist. I, I believe he is an atheist. One of the things that I do find amongst atheists is they tend to be very logical, rational when it comes to most most of their ideas. Um, they don't move into the, the realm of, of airy-fairy stuff, which I tend to do at times. But when it comes to libertarian, when it comes to making his arguments, I find that Adam Gikesh is always on point. I've gone through much of his work, and one of the reasons I respect him so much is I can't find anything that I disagree with him on. I'm sure there are many of them. In fact, it would be it would be a given that there are things that I do. You, you're not going to find anyone in this world that you're completely in agreement with, but I do find that he tends to be on point. And uh, uh, another thing I love about the cock is he's got balls. Now, he won't admit this. When I interviewed uh, Adam on my podcast a while back, he, he likes to talk about how he simply just understands the consequences of his actions a bit more. But no, I, I beg to differ. I think the guy has got balls appropriately. That's why we call him the cock. I think he does a lot of things that most people would not be willing to risk, even if they were aware of the consequences. And I think that is the fundamental testing point of every great person, that virtue of courage. I often say that courage is a testing point of every virtue. It's a quote by C.S. Lewis. It takes courage in order to, to do anything worthwhile. It takes courage to be compassionate, to be vulnerable. It takes courage to be disciplined, to grow, to be willing to improve yourself, to be willing to face different challenges, to embrace adversity. It's all about courage. And the cock has that in droves. So that's another reason I love him. And uh, he also tends to be a little um, naive. And I say this in a positive way. It's it's not so much naivete, but it's just this optimism about the future. That's the same attitude that I have. Where he When he's talking about technology, what's going to happen in the future, he tends to believe that technology is going to overcome all of these adversities. And I tend to, I think it's a healthy attitude to have that mentality. It may not be true, but I feel often that, I believe that by having that attitude, it is paving the way for uh, the best society. I think when you believe in something, often it it gives you the right attitude in order to actually bring that change into fruition, as opposed to being negative and pessimistic and being a realist. I know a lot of people talk about how you got to see things for what they are. True. But I think you also need to believe in what's possible. And Adam has that mentality when he speaks. A lot of people think that what he's doing is silly. The whole idea of running for pre for not president, as he puts it, it's not, it's not possible to do that. It's, not, it's unrealistic. But the only people that have actually changed the world are those that have been crazy enough to think they actually could. And that's one of the reasons I love him. I, I tend to have that same attitude when it comes to what I'm capable of. Uh, I do not allow people to put limitations on me. If you want to put limitations on yourself, that is your prerogative. But do not tell me what I can or cannot do. And that is the attitude that you should always adopt. Believe in yourself. Take it upon yourself to strive to always make a change, even if that may not seem tangible in the moment. If you truly put your heart and soul into something, if you want something bad enough, if you're willing to give up your time, your peace, and your sleep for it, as a... Uh, <laughs> Uh, as Les Brown always says, if you work day and night for it, if all that you're scheming your dream is about it, and life seems useless and worthless without it, if you gladly sweat for it and fret for it and plan for it and lose all terror of the opposition for it, if you simply go after that thing that you want with all your capacity, faith, hope, confidence, stern pertinacity, if neither famine nor sickness 
No pain or body or brain can keep you away from that, from that thing that you want. If dogged and grim you beseech and beset it, then with the help of God, you will surely get it. Ladies and gentlemen, moving on to my third favorite libertarian. I would say that this is the, the quintessential libertarian. And uh, I think you'll find this fascinating. My, in fact, you know what? I'm going to say that this is actually my favorite libertarian. In fact, I'm going to backpedal and say this is actually my favorite libertarian. Now, he's no longer with us, but this is uh, Benjamin Franklin. Of course, you're going to hear a lot of rumors about this guy. Benjamin Franklin, I heard like he killed certain people, had people under his, he, he had people, dead people under his house. A whole bunch of rumors. Benjamin Franklin was a, was a slaver. Ugh. Benjamin Franklin was one of the most uh, brilliant figures. I mean, he was a scientist. He was a writer. He was an abolitionist. He was a polymath of the highest caliber. And he devoted much of his life towards abolishing slavery. Of course, people speak about how he had slaves, and I often speak about how in the times back then, um, many people inherited their slaves. And they took it upon themselves to try to free those slaves. But obviously, warring for their safety, they realized that they could not free them without, in, uh, without uh, likely bringing about their demise. So they went about trying to abolish slavery. Now, bearing in mind, Benjamin Franklin worked with his slaves, loved his slaves, to the point where, yeah, I think he, he actually freed them. Um, but more importantly, he, he set up the first abolitionist society. This is in 17, around 1776, I believe, and devoted his life towards abolishing this horrible institution of slavery. What's more, Benjamin Franklin took on a very consistent attitude towards his libertarian ideals, applied his philosophy of nonviolence not only towards uh, people of, of, the, of the white race, but towards, obviously, Africans, towards all people, all sentient beings, even non-human animals. He was a vegetarian. He, one of the things I admire about him, and this is the thing that I love probably the most about Benjamin Franklin, is that he was a diplomat. He, he was on good terms with many people because he would always strive to communicate well with people, try not to aggravate people. He devoted much of his life, or at least uh, in training before entering the realm of diplomacy, towards practicing how to actually construct his arguments and interact with people so that he would not upset them. For instance, he would, uh, he would speak, in his autobiography, he speaks about how he would often... Um, use words like, it is my opinion, as opposed to saying things definitively. Something as, as, as subtle as this, purely because it was more conducive towards good conversation. When you, when you speak in more light terms, you have more congruence with people. And Benjamin Franklin was all about that. He was all about diplomacy. And I find it so important to, um, to be on good faith with people. Because at the end of the day, people are emotional beings. I mean, being right is not enough. You need to be emotionally correct. The reality is people are far more influenced by your emotions, your, the way in which you interact with them, um, subtle things like your tone of voice, as opposed to the veracity of your statements. And one of the things that I've learned from Benjamin Franklin is that he was a stickler for, for diplomacy, for good communication with people, for congruence. And as a result, he ended up not only being very successful in his endeavors, but also liked by many a people. Also, he was a ladies' man, apparently. 
I like that about him. Apparently, the, the guy slipped around. <laughs> but this is a guy that was brilliant, was a polymath, was in, in, in good favor amongst his people, and also made about, went about bringing about many changes in the world. He's what you'd call a Jupiterian hero. This is a concept that I, I learned from Manly P. Hall. It's this whole idea of the, the different types of heroes um, in the ancient Roman world. You had these Plutonian heroes that were more concerned with uh, their own well-being. Uh, went about simply trying to benefit themselves financially. And then you had the... Uh, so you had the Plutonian heroes, the uh, Neptunian heroes. And that's the next stage. I mean, obviously Pluto's a small planet. Not as big as Neptune. Neptune, Neptune is the Neptunian hero is the next stage. Someone that is not only devoted towards uplifting themselves, but also um, de developing themselves on all levels. So not just physically, materialistically, but mentally, learning about learning what they can in regards to the world, in regards to knowledge, assimilating uh, knowledge, growing, and also trying to make a positive change in the world. And then you have the Jupiterian hero, someone that not only accomplishes. All the latter, all the uh, all the previous things of of benefiting themselves, and but not only physically but mentally, spiritually, but uplifting the vibration of the planet, devoting themselves towards a worthy cause, and trying to bring about positive change in the world. That is the Jupiterian hero. That is Benjamin Franklin. So they are my favorite libertarians for for those reasons. And uh, yeah, I I think there are many other great libertarians. I think uh, some that come to mind, Craig Wright, another guy that I like the fact that he doesn't care so much what other people think. Very logical in his thinking. The way that he defines um, things, I find it I don't always agree with. I, I find that he's he uses the word anarchist in a, a negative light. Like he defines anarchism under anarcho-communism. Um, there are always distinctions within the way that people look at certain things. But I often find that his rationale is always on point. Anyway, moving on, moving on, some of my, I think we've covered enough libertarians. I wanted to cover just a few other things that are going on right now, namely Rowan Atkinson speaking about free speech. Let's talk about this. Free speech, quite possibly the most important issue that we have going on in the world right now. All right. So With the reasonable and well-intentioned ambition to contain obnoxious elements in society has created a society of an extraordinarily authoritarian and controlling nature. That is what you might call the new intolerance, a new but intense desire to gag uncomfortable voices of dissent. I am not intolerant, say many people, say many softly spoken, highly educated, liberal-minded people. I'm only intolerant of intolerance. <laughs> and people tend to nod sagely and say, oh yes, wise words, wise words. And yet if you think about this supposedly inarguable statement for longer than five seconds, you realize that all it is advocating is the replacement of one kind of intolerance with another, which to me doesn't represent any kind of progress at all. Underlying prejudices, injustices, or resentments are not addressed by arresting people. They are addressed by the issues being aired, argued, and dealt with, preferably outside the legal process. For me, the best way to increase society's resistance to insulting or offensive speech is to allow a lot more of it. As with childhood diseases, you can better resist those germs to which you have been exposed. We need to build our immunity to taking offence so that we can deal with the issues that perfectly justified criticism can raise. Our priority should be to deal with the message, not the messenger. 
As President Obama said in an address to the United Nations only a month or so ago, laudable efforts to restrict speech can become a tool to silence critics or oppress minorities. The strongest weapon against hateful speech is not repression, it is more speech. And that's the essence of my thesis, more speech. <clears throat> if we want a robust society, we need more robust dialogue, and that must include the right to insult or to offend. Absolutely, absolutely. I completely resonate with what uh, Rowan Atkinson is saying there. I think the heart of what he's saying is that um, uh, what comes to mind is this JFK, JFK quote where he speaks about how we should ask not for easier times, but to become stronger men, stronger individuals so that we can withstand the adversity. We need to develop our immune systems. Our Kung Fu needs to be strong. What we do, our ability to resist the, uh, the circumstances around us. I think one of the best things that you can, you can hope for is growth and to embrace adversity because that brings about growth. But when you take on this attitude of hoping that the world is going to be nicer to you, treat you more fairly, and as a result, you become weaker and less capable of actually defending yourself, that's definitely not a good thing. And I have a look at the current situation of free speech, and it slowly just dawned upon me that we're living in this age where you can go to jail for expressing ideas about people that are simply just true. For instance, the fact that you think that they are not attractive or they have, they have a big ass, that's somehow offensive. And that could technically get you in prison. And people say things like, well, it's, it's very specific, you know, it needs to be, uh, it needs to be clear that you are, you are, what you're saying is objectively offensive. Well, that's the whole point. It is objective, subjective. Offense is never given. <laughs> It's taken. Therefore, this whole idea of people offending you, I mean, it comes down to what you perceive as being offensive. I mean, I, I, I long back to the time of the 70s where, yeah, you, you, you'd worry about being jailed for, I don't know, taking drugs or something like that, but you sure as hell didn't have to worry about being put in jail for, <laughs> for telling a girl that you thought she was hot. And this is the world that we live in. I watched a video not not that long ago. This guy that I I watched this uh, this guy that's always interviewing people in the streets, and he uh, he said this apparently offensive thing to this girl. I think he said something like, uh, um, he, "She was wearing something my mother, something his mother would wear," and the girl was really offended by this, and decided to complain to her guy friends or, around her, who decided to attack the guy. And then later on, these girls complained to the police officer, and this guy was was taken into uh, custody for simply for simply telling a girl that <laughs> something as innocuous as her clothes being reminiscent of something her mother would wear. This is the world that we live in. This is absolutely insane, and it all comes down to this whole idea of hate speech. People coming up with these nonsensical terms that take away your rights. Hate speech does not exist. It's this whole social justice concept of, oh, you're saying something that offends me. Yeah, it's not nice. And quite frankly, 
There are other ways of dealing with people that are not nice. You can put social pressure on them. If people are being racist or people are saying mean, horrible things, then you, you speak back or you, without using force, you rally people to shop, stop supporting them, support, stop supporting their products. I mean, if a, if a racist organization comes up and comes out and says, we're not going to sell any of their, any of our products to black people, or we're not going to hire any women because of X and Y. Well, what you can do in a, in a free society is you can speak openly and say that you don't, you don't like that. Therefore, you're not going to buy that company's products. What you don't do is get the government to pass laws preventing people from, from saying things like that. That's not developing your immunity. The most important thing to do is to have the ability to walk away. You don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. And we live in this world now where people hear things that they don't like and they, they go cry to their, their, their big government. I mean, just at work the other day, <laughs> this girl got frustrated because... Um, and the thing is, I, I, was trying to, I was trying to have a conversation with her. I was watching this TV show called Love Island. And I was talking to one of the, some girl about it, and uh, I was trying to get this other girl involved in the conversation. Uh, and I said, "Oh, yeah, I bet you watch Love Island." She's like, um, "Excuse me, why would you think I watch that show? Oh my God, that's like um, that is so discriminatory." I'm like, and I was like, "What? You're offended because I thought you would watch that show? Oh my, Ugh! what? This is the world that we live in. This is the world that we live in." And look, granted, I didn't get into any trouble, but just she, she gave me this greasy. We didn't speak for a whole couple of weeks because of that. People are so touchy about everything. Now we live in this world where you say something that hurts someone's feelings. You comment on their race. You comment on their religion. Even if it's true. Even if uh, you think that their religion, their ideology is a bad one. And this, isn't, this is something I want to mention. Like We somehow arbitrarily separate religion from a philosophical idea. If someone has a philosophy... And they want to encapsulate this around a religion. And their philosophy is that they want to kill anyone that, uh, that is of a particular race or has a particular view. That's obviously a very intolerant attitude, right? Now, generally we see that as being worthy of criticism. But as soon as someone says, hey, this is my religion, and my religion believes, that, believes all these bad ideas, we can't criticize their religion. This nonsense idea that you cannot criticize a religion. Not all religions have good ideas. There are some religions that are worthy of criticism. And we have this whole idea of not being able to criticize religions because of hate speech. Not, able, not being able to criticize political ideas. You should be able to criticize everything. What you should not be able to do is to use force or fraud. To use coercive violence. To say that you're going to kill someone. Or to incite other people to go kill that person or attack that person or invade that person or violate them. That's just common sense. But the whole idea of having freedom of speech is to create a healthy marketplace of ideas. We're not going to be able to bring about change unless, of course, we, we know good ideas from bad ideas. And more importantly, we're not going to grow as individuals unless, of course, we are able to robustly withstand shitty ideas and ho horrible things said about us. It's all about growth. It's all about trying to be a better person today than you were yesterday. I heard this quote a while ago that uh, terror starts when you stop growing, when you meet the you that you will never be. 
because you've realized that you will never be able to attain that you anymore. You come, you come into, you come into the presence of what you could have been, and you realize that you stop growing. And the only way to stop growing is to stop experiencing adversity, to stop challenging yourself. And that's what freedom of speech is all about. People being able to challenge each other with ideas. It's just as important for people to have the right to say what other people don't hear, not just to say what is true. And this is the world that we're living in, where the government, once again, are trying to prevent people from expressing themselves, trying to centrally control what people can say because they've deemed certain ideas as being negative and others as not being negative. This whole idea of fake news. We don't think that version of reality is true, so we're not going to allow you to say that. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I think I've waffled on long enough. Uh, as I said, I'm, I'm trying to roll these updates on the daily. They're going to be covering a whole bunch of issues, not just related around libertarianism, not just related around Bitcoin. Um, but speaking of Bitcoin, uh, I did hear uh, that the uh, the tokens have finally rolled out on Bitcoin Cash. I remember hearing Roger Ver speak about this a week ago, that he had some amazing news he wanted to share with everyone and uh, couldn't do so yet. And I think this is the news that he was talking about. So now we have tokenization of Bitcoin. So you, you can have all this customizability around coins now. You can have colored coins. You can track where the coins have been. We, we, we have progra programmable money. I mean, the possibilities are endless now. This is money 2.0 in the realm of Bitcoin. Bitcoin Cash. It is a Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I did that voice. It, feel, it, feels, like this is, it feels like some kind of like a... Um, entertain wrestling WCW thing that's going on right now. Like uh, whenever I think of the WCW, I think of this over-the-top entertainment, and I feel like the whole Bitcoin ecosystem is in this realm of exciting WrestleMania-esque uh, stuff that's going on. I mean, we got colored coins. We have um, we're, we're moving on to gigabyte block sizes. We have these. Colorful characters like Roger Ver, Craig Wright, Calvin Ayer. It is exciting. And then, of course, we have the whole libertarian movement under that. You know, we have Adam Gakesh running for presidency. We got Ross Ulbrich uh, facing life. Obviously, not a positive thing, but it's such a tumultuous, uh, uh, like epic thing that is going on right now. And, uh, Anytime I think of of epic, I think of uh, <laughs> WrestleMania. I don't know. That's just my, my childhood mindset. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, peace out. Keep it real. Uh, I'm going to leave it there. That is, uh, that is my podcast covering some of the latest that's going on in the world of liberty, in the world of uh, technology, in the world of philosophy. Be sure to comment on this video and be sure to check out my, check out my music. I'm going to leave this with the promotional video. I have an EP called Going Thunder. As I mentioned, the single is out. We Can Do Better if you want to check that out. It's available in all digital outlets. So you can you can download the EP, Going Thunder. And this is the promotional video. Ow! You know people in this life, they'll always tell you what you can and what you cannot do. You can't let nobody put limitations on yourself. You gotta know that deep down inside, you got the will, you got the power, you got the fire. So if you want to go, you gotta go like thunder. We've had to beat you off the north side. Bring off the rain, need to eat the rain, need to eat the rain.
a moment on the run that we live Rise above it, keep working on that game, son I'm a vibe to school, you and I thunder I'm a ring the crew, you know I got Oh yeah, so ladies and gentlemen, that was my EP Going Thunder, which you can check out on all digital outlets. And of course, I have my recent single, which I released, uh, We Can Do Better, which you can check out on Spotify. Please go and please go and follow us on Spotify. If you like what I do, Spotify is where it's at. That's where all my music is at. And of course, I got my uh, more philosophical podcasts and uh, Bitcoin MCing on the Steemit and uh, on Memo Cash. I'm pretty much everywhere. You know where to find me. You can go straight to the uh, Twitter handle, at Chris Shul. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave it there. It's been another uh, long-winded podcast. Be sure to drop some comments. I would really love to know what you guys think, uh, what you guys want to hear me talk about. And uh, would really like to... Uh, uh, would lo- love to you guys to follow me on the on the Steemit. That's where I'm putting a lot of most of my content. That's the base of my uh, content at the moment. So, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, peace out, keep it real, don't drive in text. This is Chris Shul, your esoteric noetic, your purveyor of awesome vibes, your supreme <laughs> disseminator of, uh, of crypto savagery. Until next time, peace out. Signing out, Chris Shul. Ow! Like a bird.